Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I am going to take us back where we started from last week. And we're continuing our series, Hidden in Plain Sight. We're talking about the provision of God that God has prepared for us, for each and every one of us, everything that we have need of in the journey of life. Nothing catches God by surprise. That ought to be an encouraging word to any of us that are going through things that caught us by surprise. That even though it may have caught us by surprise, it did not catch our God by surprise. And He has already prepared for us way ahead of time the provision that we need to get through the difficulties that we face. Our series text is found in Isaiah 45 and 2, and it just confirms what I said to you. He says, I'll go ahead of you, clearing and paving the road. I'll break down bronze city gates. I'll smash padlocks. I'll kick down barred entrances. I'll lead you to buried treasures and secret caches of valuables, confirmations that is in fact I, God, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. God knows where you are today. He knows your name this morning. He knows exactly what you're facing. He knows exactly what's ahead of you. And so today I want to continue talking about the provision of deliverance. We're talking about the provision of deliverance and finish the second part of the message there is a stone. Would you help me pray? Father, we ask your anointing in this room. Settle on the hearts and minds of each and every one of us. God, I pray that, Lord, you would help me to be a communicator today of your truth and, Lord, your design for deliverance that you have provided for us in the text. I pray that, God, you would open our hearts and minds to you. In Jesus' name, we say amen and amen. Last week, we began using the story of David and Goliath to really talk about Uh, as I mentioned in the prayer, a design for deliverance, that God has a design. And that word is specific because that word really kind of encapsulates a lot more than just God having a plan or God having a way of escape or God having some kind of a, you know, way to finagle and get us out of a mess that we find ourselves in. God has a design for you. He has a plan that He has formulated and articulated and put every little minute piece together. God thought through the details for you. God worked out every scenario that would possibly come against you. And God has already worked it out to the point that He sees you delivered, set free, operating in your gifting, connecting to the promise on the other side of whatever mess you're facing today. God is a God of design. And He has a design for deliverance. And in our text this morning, the text that talks about the story of David and Goliath, and again, I trust that most of, us, most of us are familiar with that text. We understand that text. And uh, in that, what we see is God really has a pattern for how we are to understand His provision of deliverance. You know, when we talk about provision, we always go to the place of resource. Uh, anytime we talk about provision, the automatic way our minds think is that what God is going to get me. 
What is God going to deliver to me? How am I going to be blessed? How am I going to find the resources that are necessary to get me past this particular moment in my life? But not all provision is manifested in the way of resources. A lot of times there's resources connected to what God's trying to do. But sometimes, you know, provision comes to us in just acknowledging uh, the ways of God and operating in conjunction with the ways of God. You know, I'm a big advocate for principled living, for for really understanding how God operates in scenarios, how Jesus operated in certain circumstances and mirroring that in my own life. If if Jesus did it this way, then it's probably a good methodology for me to try to do it the same way. Amen. Amen. And so when we understand the ways of God, that also provides for us some ways of escape. It provides for us ways of deliverance and so on and so forth. And there's other things that we could talk about as far as provision not connected to, solely connected to resources. We talked about last week when we got into the beginning of this message, we talked about some of the realities that we face, that there is a battle going on. I think everybody understands in the place today that there's a battle going on for lives. There's a battle going on for souls. There's a battle going on for your family. There's a battle going on for your future. There's a battle going on for every promise that God has promised you. It's not going to come just because we believe it and we want to receive it. It does not come without a fight many times in our lives. There's a battle going on. We talked about how there's an enemy. Now there's an enemy on the field of life and he stands there between us and our promise. And he stands there taunting us and convincing us that we are incapable of receiving what God has promised to give us. We talked about there's a cause. There's a cause. There's a a reason to fight. There's there's a reason to get up every Sunday and make your way to church. There's some people that are hanging in the balance today. There are some people that your life is connected to and, and that your sphere of influence that you emanate from your life is going to intersect at some point. And so there's a big cause today. There's a lot of people that are dying and going to hell, church. There's a lot of people that are living in darkness. There's a lot of people that are living in bondage. And if we don't step in and do something about those folks, if we don't stand between them and their destiny and their future headed towards hell, then nobody's going to. And so there's a cause this morning. There's a reason for me to fight. There's a reason for me to get up. There's a reason for me to pray. There's a reason for me to seek God. There's a reason for me to get mobilized and engaged and activated for the purpose of God. There's a cause this morning. And so I want to take a moment and I want to step back and I want to talk about the enemy we face and just some of his tactics. I want you to know this, that the strategy of the enemy is always the same and that is to do what is necessary to stand between you and God's promises. When we think about the enemy, we always think about him putting his hands on us either, you know, through circumstance, through difficulties, through trials, through trouble. But a lot of times the enemy defeats us by simply standing between us and what God has for us. A lot of times he defeats us without ever having to touch us. He just stands on the battlefield of life between us and God's promise, the finish line, the touchdown on the other side of him, and he stands there keeping us from engaging, keeping us from crossing over and stepping into what God has promised us. His goal is always the same, and that is to stand between you and God's promises. 
And He is always going to stand between you and God's promises if we allow Him to do so. He is always trying to cut us off from God's best for our lives. He wants to keep us bound. He wants to keep us cut off. He wants to keep us isolated from those things. And if He can do that, even if He never touches us, He still wins the day because He keeps us limited and He keeps us out of God's very best for us. And the power of God being released in us and the potential of God being cultivated in us. And so here's what we have to understand with our enemy and what we have to recognize and what all of us in the place have to overcome. Two things. With the enemy, first of all, there is a lie. 1 Samuel 17, 43. Go there in your Bible if you can real quickly. David's on the battlefield. He's already agreed to go and fight. We'll look at that in a moment. But here in this particular verse, he's standing before the Philistine, the enemy, that's standing between him and his destiny, standing between him and the completion of the task that God has given him. And this is what the Philistine says to David. He says, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me, you come over here, and I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. With the enemy, there is always a lie. Now let me ask you, what lies do you need to overcome in your own life? What lies have you heard the enemy whisper in your ear? What lies have you heard said through other people in your life? What lies have been spoken over you, into you, that you have believed and accepted as truth when in reality it is nothing but a lie from the pit of hell. It is nothing but a lie from the enemy's lips. It is not the truth. It is not the defining of your destiny. It certainly isn't your identity. It isn't what God said over you. It's just simply what he is trying to do to keep you where you are so that he can stand between you and God's best for your life. What lies... What lies have you believed? What lies are you believing about your life? Let me give you some indicators of lies that, that, that are cues to perhaps places where we believe a lie. They usually start with words like, I can't. Or I won't. You know, I can't do that. I won't ever be able to. You fill in the blank. My life is come to a point where I can never or maybe your lie is tied to somebody else well I would but they won't I can't because they won't they're unwilling to God's not able to do this in my life now I know that God has done it in the scripture and I know that God has done it for some other people but for whatever reason God won't do that for me God's not doing that for me and God's never going to do that for me lies Lies. My Bible tells me that God's no respecter of persons. That means that He is not a discriminator against any man, boy, woman, girl. He's not looking at you and deciding, well, you're disqualified because of whatever reason. They can't. I won't. God's not. Some variation of these are always the beginning of the lie. So what lies do you need to overcome? Some of you have been in this place and 
when you were little, you had people speak over you, you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to be anything. You're never going to be able to. You're just not smart enough. Well, we, we don't have the luxuries of other people. We, we can't do that because lies, lies, lies. My Bible tells me that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There is nothing off the table when it comes to God. Amen. Your situation doesn't define you. Your circumstance doesn't define you. What other people have said over you doesn't define you. What defines you is what God has spoken and what God has written. God even wrote it down so it didn't get miscommunicated. He put it in the Word of God so that we could look at it and say, No, 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 this is what it says about me. This is what it says for me. This is what God's trying to communicate in my life. And this is what God has promised to deliver for me if I will simply believe in Him. With the enemy, there's a lie. You know, with the enemy, there's also a limit. There's always a limit. You see, the enemy doesn't just speak with his mouth. Sometimes he speaks through the mouths of the very people that God sent you to deliver. Sometimes he speaks through the mouths of people that you're in the situation with and you're trying to get them out and you're trying to get yourself out and you're trying to work it out. It was the case with David. David is here to fight a battle that should have already been taken care of and fought by other people, but they were unwilling. So David steps up and he says, I'll do it, I'll fight. And the first thing out of the mouths of the people that are closest to David is his brother Eliab says, what are you doing here? you got no business here. You don't belong here. You're supposed to be back home taking care of sheep. I don't want you here. Yeah, I need delivered, but not from you. Yeah, I'm unwilling to step on the battlefield, but it really offends me when you're willing to do what I'm not willing to do. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that good? Because it's so true with church. Pastor, you know, I don't want to do that. But I don't want them doing it either. Because when they do it, and I know I'm supposed to be doing it, man, that makes me feel bad. It, it brings conviction in my life. So can we just not do it at all? Can you just stop them? You know, I really wish that you would have a section of people that want to worship and a section of people that don't want to worship so that I could blend in with the non-worshippers and not feel convicted when a person's going after God on this side of the church. You know, Pastor, I wish you would just cancel about half of our services because every time when I see on Facebook that God's moved on a Sunday and I just decided I didn't want to get up this morning because we had a long weekend and we've been playing and we've been having fun and then, you know, I just don't want to feel convicted because somebody else is getting what God intended for me to get and what I should have got because I should have got up and just gone to church. So can you just do something about that for me? Are you with me? Limits. You know, most of the limits are suggested by the enemy, but self-imposed by ourselves. He, he says, look, this would be a good limit for your life. You know, don't be fanatical. Don't be crazy. Don't be too committed. Man, you got enough on your plate. Don't, don't get too involved. And then I say, you know, that sounds like a good lie. I'm going to buy into that one. I'm going to put a limit right there on my life. You don't know what you're capable of. You don't know what your capacity is. 
You don't know what God's able to do with you until you stretch a little bit. Until you put a little pressure on yourself and you start going for some things that are a little bit bigger than you. I know a God who has never let me settle for less. He's always pushed me to go a little further than I thought I had the physical capacity to go. Anytime that I thought, well, that's the max. I I know I can do this, but I don't believe that I can do that. God says, well, you're going to try for that. We're not going to settle for this. We're going for that. And we're going to push it together and we're going to have a little faith step At the end of the day, you're going to have to believe me. At the end of the day, you're going to have to trust me. At the end of the day, you're going to have to just have confidence that I can take you the distance. Limits. There's always limits. 1 Samuel 17, 33, this is the limit that Saul tries to put on David. He says, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth and a man of war, and he's a man of war from his youth. You're not able. You're not skilled. You're not qualified. You're not gifted. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You don't have what it takes. You don't know what you're doing. All lies that impose limits. With the enemy, he's always trying to speak lies so that he can impose limits on you. And if he can get you to believe the lie and buy into the lie, he will always be able to limit you. Look at the Garden of Eden. What happened with Adam and Eve? They bought into a lie that put a limit on their lives. And we've been dealing with their limitations ever since. I'd like to punch them both in the nose. How about you? Because we are in the mess we're in today because they bought into a lie that imposed limits not only on themselves but on everyone after them. We think today, I'm just going to preach a little off the cuff here. We think today that if we just do something that it only affects us, we can go back in history and we can see that the decisions we make don't just affect our generation. It may have residual effects on generations to come for years and years to come. It's not just about you this morning. It's about everybody that God has put in your path and everybody that you have the power to influence through the decisions you make in your life this morning. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to... Get us to the place that God's trying to take us this morning. All the enemy needs to get you limited and stand between you and your promised future is a lie that takes root in your life. What lies, what limits are standing between you and God's promise? And this is how you respond. This is how you respond to the lies and to the limits and to the enemy. Look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 45. He says, you're a dog. I'm going to feed your carcass to the to birds of the air. And this is what David says. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give your carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You respond to the lies and limits of the enemy by this simple phrase, there is a God. 
you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm facing. Let me tell you, there is a God who knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're facing. And He has a design to get you delivered out of that mess and onto the other side of your destiny and the promises that God has for you. There is a God this morning. There's a God who is greater than your enemy. There's a God who is bigger than your problem. There is a God who is able. Now here's what God provides for us. Lauren alluded to it today in worship. Just right on point with where God's trying to take us and teach us. With our God, there's three things that He's given each of us. That is a methodology of deliverance. The first thing is there is an authority. There is a God, and with that God, there is an authority that comes to you. It's an authority that overthrew death, hell, and the grave. It is an authority that led the captors captive and set the captives free. It is an authority that 1 Corinthians 2 and 8 said, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. David said, you, I come to you in the name of the Lord. That's my God, and that's my authority. It's not me. It's my God. David responded to the lie with the declaration of his own authority in God. He says, there is a God who is able to give me the power this morning to deliver your head and defeat the army that stands between us. With our God, there's an authority. But with our God, there's also an anointing. You've been given an authority in Jesus Christ. Jesus said when he rose from the grave and he was giving his disciples his last few words, he said, I've given you authority. I've I've invested it in you. I've I've put it, put everything under your feet. It's with you now. But with that, there's also an anointing. There's an anointing that breaks every yoke. There's an anointing that breaks the yoke of limitations. There's an anointing that breaks the yoke of lies. Every person in this room, you have an anointing on your life. What is the anointing, Pastor? What are you talking about when you talk about the anointing? I'm talking about God showing up in your life in certain areas that just gives you an edge in that particular area. You know, it's one thing to play music and be a skilled musician, but when you're an anointed skilled musician, boy, you just go to another level. But You know, it's one thing to be able to preach and be able to communicate, but when you get a Anointed. I'm telling you, it just goes to a whole other level. And when you're able to connect with people under an anointing, you know, everything you do goes to another level when you find your anointing. It's like God shows up in that particular part of your life. And He just helps you excel to a whole other level. You have an anointing. You have something that God has gifted you to do. And He's gifted you to do it beyond just the level of skill that you have in that particular area. He has gifted you to take it to a whole other level by His power and His anointing resting upon your life. And when you find that place and you find that giftedness, boy, I'm telling you, it'll break every yoke of bondage because with that, it's tied to your destiny. It's tied to your future. It's all part of God's perfect plan coming to the surface and bringing you into what He wants. The anointing is the portion of Him that shines through you. I'll say it again. I said the anointing is the portion of Him that shines through you. Where are you letting 
God shine through in your life? Where are you letting God show up in your life? Where are you letting other people see Jesus in you? Where are you letting that happen? That's your anointing this morning. There's an authority. There's an anointing. And this last one is one that I want to really preach on this morning because it's so important that we understand it. With our God, yes, there's an authority. With our God, there's an anointing. And with our God, there is a uniqueness to you. There's a uniqueness to you. There is a way for you. There is something that God has designed and reserved just for you. God doesn't come up with these blanket ways of getting things done. God Taylor makes every situation of deliverance personal to you. He's thought about you. He's thought about how it affects you. He's thought about how it will work out through you. He's thought about it in the context of your specific life. He's a personal God. He's personal. He's got a plan for me. He's got a way for me. He's got provision for me. 1 Samuel 17, 38 says, So Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. David could not walk. In Saul's uniqueness or anointing. Those were Saul's weapons. Those were Saul's approach. Those were Saul's gifts, Saul's skills, Saul's way of handling the situation. But those were not David's. David had to take those off. He had to walk in his own. Verse 39 says, so David took them off. You have to cast off trying to conform to someone else's uniqueness and discover and embrace your own. Pastor, I've tried everything in the world to try to get out of this mess that I'm in. I've watched TV. I've watched talk to my friends. I've gone about it through every self-help. I've been in the self-help section of the library for days now trying to figure out how to get out of this mess. I have read every person that has something to say about this subject and I cannot figure it out. Here's what I would tell you this morning. You're not going to figure it out by putting on somebody else's clothes. You've got to figure it out by connecting to the God who has designed a uniqueness in you to deal with a situation that's in front of you. It may not come through somebody else's suggestion for your life. It may come through some time in seeking the presence of God and finding what the designer has to say about how you are to deal with the situation that's in front of you. Well, isn't it easier just to go and ask somebody? Yes. Well, it seems easier. But after 57 failed attempts, maybe it would have been better invested had I spent my time just trying to find out the one way that does work through the one who knows how to work it out. Well, I'd rather just ask somebody. I'd rather get somebody else's idea on how to deal with it. Here's what I want you to understand is you can't be effectively anybody but you. You can't effectively be anybody but you. You just can't. You can't walk in somebody else's anointing. You can't walk in somebody else's giftedness. You can't. Do it like somebody else does it and hope it works out for you the same way it worked out for them. you got to find your own way. you got to discover your uniqueness. You can't put on someone else's clothes and hope they fit. 
Because God has created a uniqueness in you. And that is your method of deliverance. You can't just try what someone else did and hope it works out. Find God's strategy for you. Because it's always tied to your individual uniqueness. And that's the beauty of His creativity. It's His creativity and His provision planted and placed inside of you that He wants to draw out of you to move you past the situation that you're facing. When He formed you, He made you to be you. He didn't make you to emulate everybody else. He didn't make you to talk like everybody else. He didn't make you to do it like everybody else. He made you an individual. He made you unique. Embrace the uniqueness that God has put in you. There is a way for you. Sometimes it don't work because we're simply just not putting the time and effort in to finding how it works for me. God wants to release the real you in you to defeat the enemy that stands before you. Now watch what David does. 1 Samuel 17, 40. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in his shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had. Not a pouch he found, but a pouch he had. <laughs> he, ain't, he ain't borrowing stuff, something from somebody else. He's using what he's got. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Now, I want you to look at the verse, and I want you to see these three things here in the, in the verse. Look at the verse. The staff. What does the staff represent? Its staff represents his authority. He takes that staff, and it's his authority. You know, remember when Moses stood at the Red Sea? What did he do to part the Red Sea? He took the staff that was in his hand, which represented the authority of God that had been entrusted to him, and he stretched it over the Red Sea, and God parted the waters. David takes the staff, his authority. He takes the shepherd bag. This is his unique anointing. God made him to be a shepherd. David thought that his days would be played out shepherding sheep. Little did he know that God had a bigger plan than just shepherding sheep, that he was going to someday shepherd the sheep of Israel, that he would be their king. But it had to start in a field on the backside of the desert somewhere. And as he's faithful with that, God cultivates the anointing in his life so that he is capable and large enough to deal with the great thing that God had in mind for him long before he ever made him and formed him. That's his anointing. I'm anointed to take care of sheep. I'm anointed to be out there in those fields. I'm anointed to do what God has gifted me to do. And so that shepherd's bag is a picture of David's anointing. The sling was in his hand, the scripture says. That's his uniqueness. He's a slinger. That's his gift. That's what he does. Man, I've been out there under my anointing and I have found something that I'm good at. I can take this little sling and I can part your eyes with it. I've been hitting trees and when I got good enough to hit the trees 
It wasn't long before I was tested. And then I had to deal with a bear. I had to deal with a lion. And God was practicing with me. He was gifting me. He was increasing my skill set. He was teaching me how to be calm under pressure so that the day would come when a Philistine big mouth would be standing on the field in front of me stopping me from possessing what God has already ordained for me to possess. And I would be able to stand there in my confidence knowing that I had the authority, I had the anointing, and I had the uniqueness to to deal with that big blowhard standing right in front of me. <laughs> There's a uniqueness. David said, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to be me. And that's enough with God. There is a God who always makes up the difference and makes up any weaknesses in me showing His mighty power and putting it on display. So here's what I want you to hear. You do you and let God do great things through you. Yes, there is a battle. Yes, there is an enemy, but there is also a God. Verse 40 says, He chose for Himself five smooth stones from the brook. You know that in every battle, there is a brook. The brook is a place of peace. It is a place of clarity. It is a place of objectivity just off the field of battle. It is about learning to rest in God. It is about the refuge we have in God. It is about a place of empowering and energizing. David has the confrontation with the giant and he takes a moment and he steps off the battlefield and he takes his time at the brook. God give me clarity. God help me to get a little objectivity. To this situation. Calm my spirit. Help me to get into a place where I can allow you to work through me. David walks to the brook before he engages the enemy because he's seeking that clarity and that place of objectivity. We all have to seek that clarity. We all have to get objective. Anybody ever been so emotionally engaged that you could not operate effectively in a situation? All the time. We need a brook. We need a place of empowerment, a place where God's directions become clear before we engage in the battle. The brook is a necessity before the battle, and there is a brook for you. There is a place of refuge for each and every one of us. I am so in this mess, Pastor, that I can't even think straight. Find a brook. Find a place of clarity. Find a place to step away from the stuff that you're facing in your life. Before the battle, find your brook. Now verse 40 says, He chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. He put them in his shepherd's bag. He put them in his anointing. He, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. The last thing I want you to hear today is there's a stone. There's a stone for you. There's a stone that represents your deliverance. It represents the culmination of everything that God has been working in your life. And in that moment, God will give you the resource you need to defeat the enemy if you'll walk 
with Him and stick with Him. You have an authority. You have an anointing. You have a uniqueness that is required to defeat the enemy on the field of battle. There is a stone and it is a stone of deliverance and it has been placed by God specifically for you. Find that stone. Release it in the authority, the anointing, and the uniqueness you have in Christ Jesus. And I promise you the enemy will fall every single time. Would you stand with me across this place? There is a stone for you and what you are facing right now. There is a stone of deliverance that can eradicate the enemy that stands before you. Yes, the truth is, the reality is, there's a battle going on. Yes, the truth is, there is an enemy that is there. But there is also a cause and there is a God to help you with that cause. And you have an authority, an anointing, and a uniqueness specific to you that will bring you to that stone of deliverance that God will use to strike your enemy down. Now take it. And just defeat the enemy that stands before you. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this place this morning. Are you facing a battle today that you need God to help you with? Are you fighting an enemy that you need God to help you defeat. Are you ready to get on the field of battle this morning and quit letting him keep you on the sidelines? But to find that promise of God that God has for you on the other side. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I have believed a lie and I need some truth. I need to replace the lie that I have believed with the truth of what God says over me. I need to uproot the lie that was planted in my life and find my identity in Jesus Christ this morning. Are you here? And you say, Pastor, I need some help. I need to be set free from this lie that I believed. Are you limited this morning? I just feel like I can't get there. If you have a need, we want to pray for you today. And together we're going to believe that God will reveal to you the provision of deliverance. There is a stone for you. There is a stone for you. What do you need this morning? Would you come? If you want prayer today for a battle that you're facing, for a struggle you're having, for a situation you need God to overcome, please step out of your seat and come and find a place to pray in these altars this morning. We want to pray for you. We're going to ask God to touch you. We're going to ask God to work out this situation. We're going to ask God to reveal to you exactly what you need this morning. Would there be anybody else that says that's me? Yes, amen. Amen. Don't miss this moment. Don't let pride keep you in your seat. Don't let fear of... The unknown keep you stuck on the sidelines. Engage, 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 and see if God doesn't show up with you on that battlefield. I believe there's others in this place this morning. You say, I need God to do something in my life. Maybe you're facing some unknowns and you need God to give you the confidence this morning to go ahead, to move forward, to accomplish what He's put in your heart to accomplish. He is able. He is able. There is a God this morning, and He is your God, and He will help you to overcome what you're facing if you will step out in faith.
He'll meet you here, I promise you. He'll meet you here. As these are praying in the altars, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I told you already today, and I'll tell you again, it all starts with this truth. I believe in you. You either do or you don't. You either have a relationship with Jesus or you don't. You're either living for God or you're not. But if you're going to have success in life, if you're going to go where God's trying to take you, you have to start at the place of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It all begins with Him. And so if you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to trust Him. I want to put my confidence in Him. Would you slip your hand up in the air and put it right back down, right where you are. Nobody's looking around. This is between you, me, and God this morning. You say, that's me, Pastor. I need to give my life to God. Maybe you've lived for Him in the past, but for whatever reason, you've let distance get between you and God, and you're not currently serving Him. If that's you, slip your hand up. Put it right back down. Nobody's looking around, just me and you. Let God do something for you this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for these that are giving their lives to you this morning, Lord. I pray that, God, your word says that if we confess our sins, you're faithful just to forgive us, that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. And so, Father, for anyone in this room that does not know you as Lord, Lord, I pray they would call upon you right now, that they would just cry out to you, and they would ask that you would be their God, and you would, you would come into their life, and that they could serve you from this point on, live for you and follow you, God that you would direct them, that you would wipe away the past, you would forgive the sins of the past, God, and you would give us a new future, a new hope this morning. We thank you for that. We thank you for salvation that comes through us through our confession of faith in Jesus Christ. We praise you in Jesus' name. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.